0: You're listening to the Straight Up Saints Podcast. What's up, Huda Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints Podcast. It's your host, Chris Rosvoglu. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, at Report, and make sure to subscribe and review the podcast on iTunes if you haven't already. Now, this is going to be the Saints-Panthers podcast. Preview episode, obviously a very important battle. You have the Panthers 3-3, three and three, the Saints 3-2. and two. The Saints are coming off their bye week, which you hope did them well, and we'll obviously figure out the answer to that question um, on Sunday. There's a lot to talk about within that game. It's Teddy Bridgewater's homecoming. It's Joe Brady versus Sean Payton in terms of offensive play calling, so that is definitely an exciting storyline to monitor for this one. Um, but the first thing we need to talk about is, unfortunately, the most concerning thing going on right now. In New Orleans and that's Michael Thomas's injury status look everyone thought Michael Thomas would be back for the Chargers game he didn't play it turns out he punched a teammate in the face that teammate turned out to be Gardner Johnson and we got over it why did we get over it because we don't overreact to things like that because you understand a guy like Michael Thomas as great as he is he needs to be that way and the way he gets to that level of great production is by being a competitive SOB and you know how you punch a teammate in the face by being a competitive SOB. So you know what that means? You take the good with the bad, especially when the good is as good as Michael Thomas is good. And I know I'm saying good a lot, and you're probably wondering why the hell I'm saying it. The reality is, look, guys, Michael Thomas is elite. He is one of the best, if not the best wide receiver in the National Football League. I think when healthy, he is because of his dominant physical game. He is a baller. He's a tough guy. If you get in his face, he's not going to like it. And, I'm, real, I'm over this whole fight thing. I don't think it's even a discussion anymore. But unfortunately, the real discussion is what came up on the injury report on Wednesday, and that was a tweaked hamstring. No one knows when this happened. Did it happen last week when Michael Thomas was on a Twitter rant and said that he suffered a setback? Did it happen yesterday when the media saw him leaving practice during the open media session? No one knows. What I do know, though, is that when you have a lower body injury, like Michael Thomas does with a high ankle sprain, you compensate for that injury. You put a little bit more pressure on your knees. You put a little bit more pressure on your hamstring. We saw this last year with Kamara. Went from an ankle injury to a knee injury. The knee injury went to a back injury, and it never stopped. And he never really got back to the normal Alvin Kamara like we've seen this year, who has been so incredible to watch. So this is a concern. What do you do with Michael Thomas? Do you just rest him now? Do you put him on IR? I think before you answer those questions, we got to see whether or not he practices today. Now, look, with the time that I'm recording this at, we're not going to know. At least I'm not going to know. If he practiced, um, when you listen to this, obviously I will know when it comes out, but while you're listening to this podcast, I personally don't know right now. And I think it's important because was he a limited participant throughout practice or did he show up to practice? Got a little bit of work in his, he tweaked his hammy and that was it for the day, which means he still technically was a limited participant, but let's be real. He didn't finish the practice. He probably isn't practicing Thursday, which story is it? There's not enough context here right now. Obviously, it's a concern, Um, and more importantly, from a psychological aspect, you feel for Mike because this is a guy who all he wants to do is compete. He wants to get out on the field. He wants to go up against you. He wants to compete, 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 and he can't do that right now, and he can't do that right now because of an injury, so you start blaming yourself. You start blaming your ankle. You start saying, you know, I can't get on the field. You start pressing and pushing, and it can lead to other things, and I'm not going to spiral down that road just yet. I just feel for Michael Thomas, the player because you want to see him out there making plays, especially having after having such a great historical season in 2019. You want to see more from him. You know you can't right now. It's definitely unfortunate for him. Um, and I'm going to talk about other things in this episode, like keys to victory, which I'll get to towards the end, and Teddy Bridgewater's homecoming. But before I do that, I really want to address something that Saints fans were talking about a lot today. And I think it's very, um, you know, in terms of timing, it is worth addressing in this episode. So I might as well address it right now. The NFL trade deadline is less than two weeks away. It's November 3rd, ironically, on election day. It's going to be a big day in terms of news, both sports, political, everything. There is no way of telling who is going to be on the market until you see that report, oh, so-and-so is up for, for trade talks. So a lot of fans are putting out, maybe the Saints should go after J.J. Watt. Maybe the Saints should trade you know, someone, I don't know whose name is getting thrown into these conversations. I saw who that dish was saying Marcus Davenport, which is a joke. You don't know until you know. And a lot of people think that it's all oh, the Saints don't want to win. They're not aggressive like these other teams. They're not aggressive like the Ravens who just traded for Ningake. And, and, and N'Gake, by the way, um, has been a fantastic player so far with the Vikings. Let's be real. I don't think that the Vikings were going to re-sign Unique. So they get rid of Unique and they say, "Hey, good luck in Baltimore. But we're not going to we're not going to be able to hold on to him. We're rebuilding, and that's different." The Saints don't think for a second that they don't want to get better. But was a guy like Ingakwe going to take them to the next step? Maybe, but did they view him as a fit right now or do they think that they desperately need to trade a third and a fifth form? Probably not. And I think that's important. So a lot of people I see tweeting, oh, the Saints don't want to be good. Oh, the Saints aren't aggressive like the Ravens. Oh, the Saints aren't trying to be better. Oh, we're not buyers. The NFL is not the NBA. Trades don't just happen at the drop of a hat because so-and-so wanted to get better. It doesn't work that way. There's a lot of logistics that go into making trades in the NFL. It's not easy. There's a lot of moving parts. And it's not like a bunch of guys got shipped today. One guy got shipped. Yannick went from Minnesota to Baltimore. Good for him. He's going from a crappy team to one that has Lamar Jackson is going to contend for a title. Good for him. JJ Watt is not magically up for sale for a seventh round pick, guys. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. I see a lot of people saying, oh, let's get JJ Watt. Okay, cool. Do you know how much money he costs? Do you know what it's going to cost the Saints in terms of draft capital? And then let's see. And I want the Saints to be aggressive, and I think the Saints will be aggressive. They went after Emmanuel Sanders last year. Two years ago, they acquired Eli Apple. Don't roll your eyes. It's the truth. I think they're going to be aggressive. But it is not that easy to find players in the trade market in the NFL. If it was that easy, every team would be doing it right now. It really isn't. And half the time, it doesn't hit. The Patriots basically traded for Muhammad Sanu last year, and everyone was like, oh, here we go. The Patriot way is working. The guy's not even on NFL roster right now. He's just bouncing around from team to team to team because he's not that good anymore. Shit happens, guys. And sometimes it does stick. And Emmanuel Sanders goes to the Niners and they make the Super Bowl. And that is great. But then you lose him. And you don't have him. And obviously you see how valuable Emmanuel Sanders is now that he's on the Saints. So there's obviously a couple of factors that go into this. Would I like to see the Saints be aggressive and make a trade? Absolutely. Who doesn't want to see that? But, I mean, people are just putting out fake trade scenarios here. The Saints are not going to be able to trade Taysom Hill to the Cowboys for a wide receiver of your choosing, folks. It doesn't work that way. I saw someone was saying, oh, we'll give you Taysom, you give us Michael Gallup. In what world is that going to happen? You think Taysom Hill is a better option than Andy Dalton right now? I don't. You think Taysom Hill is going to magically solve the Cowboys 50 different problems because they are a team that legitimately sucks, but because they're a big brand, people think they're good? No, it's not going to solve anything. You cannot just make trades. This is not Madden. You cannot just make trades at the drop of a hat. I would love to see the Saints be aggressive. they got about 10 days till the deadline to be aggressive, and I think they will because they know they're on the doorstep and their window's about to slam shut, but they want to get one more crack at it, and I think they'll be aggressive. But it needs to be the right player. It needs to be the right price, and they really have two big needs here, D-line and secondary help, and I'm not so sure there's a secondary um, defensive back out there that is going to elevate them, from okay or sub mediocre to mediocre slash good i don't know if that's going to happen i'd love to see it but that's my little mini rant there on trades because i know a lot of people are saying why aren't they doing this why aren't they doing that guys it's not that simple it isn't i wish it was uh but it unfortunately is not that simple now before i get into keys to victory for the saints and, and they got a fun game coming up i'm really excited for the saints panthers game obviously fun to have a divisional game and teddy bridgewater's coming back And because Bridgewater's coming back, that sparks the hot takes. There's a lot of people that are going to talk about this weekend. Did the Saints make a mistake? Should the Saints have signed Bridgewater and let Breeze go? No. Look, I'm one of those people who in January after the Saints lost had a stupid take. And I was like, oh, the Saints should sign Bridgewater and he should be their guy. And I said it for about a week. And then after a week, I was like, I went back, I watched the games that Teddy played, and I was like, Yeah, I don't know what the hell I was thinking. I I don't know what I was thinking. Maybe, maybe, honestly, I was drugged out of my mind. Maybe I was drinking. I don't know what I was doing, but I was not thinking straight. I can tell you that much. And I go back and watch Bridgewater's five games. I go back and watch Bridgewater's first six games as a Panther. I think there's a lot to like about Teddy. I think he's a smart guy. I think he's a great leader in the locker room. I think he is an accurate quarterback, completing about 70% of his passes this year. He is not the guy, though, that you say, here's the keys to the car, if it breaks down a little bit, I still trust you to get to your destination. I know that's a weird analogy that I'm making right now, but this is what I mean. Everything was right for Teddy Bridgewater last year. Michael Thomas was breaking records. Kamara was healthy for the most part during that run. Jared Cook starts getting healthy. The O-line was playing great. And the defense, how about the Saints defense holding the, the Cowboys to 10 points? The, the The Jaguars couldn't score. The Bears didn't look good. The Buccaneers' offense didn't look that explosive. How about that defense for the Saints? I mean, they looked good. When things go wrong, can you overcome all that? And I'm not so sure he can, and this is not a knock on Teddy. This is a knock on a lot of quarterbacks. Teddy just so happens to fall in that group. The The Panthers right now, the games that they've won against Arizona, the defense played well against Kyler. The offense was clicking in the run game, and Teddy played really well, and you tip his cap to him, but a lot of things worked. When they played against Atlanta, Teddy played really well, but it was against Atlanta. Who hasn't beat Atlanta this year outside of the Vikings? Literally no one. Everyone else has beat them. How about the Bears? The running game's not working. You're in under pressure. You get sacked four times. How do you look? Teddy completed 55% of his passes for 216 yards, two picks. And this is not a let's slander Teddy Bridgewater thing. You guys know how I feel about the guy. I love his story. I love Teddy. I think he's great. Um, And I think the Panthers, whether he is their future starter or that bridge to whoever might be their future starter, if it's not him, I think he's going to do well. He's still young. He's a starter in the National Football League if I've ever seen one. There's 32 of them. He definitely belongs in the 32 of them. And he he could get better. He's still young. And I like his body of work. But a lot of people, and, and if you're one of those, I don't know how you do this. If you really think the Saints have the inferior quarterback going into this game, I don't know what you're watching. Like, I get it. Drew has struggled at times this year. But did you not watch the second half against the Chargers? Did you not watch the second quarter on against the Lions? Did you not watch the second half against the Packers? Drew is finally looking like Drew. And it's funny to me that we're going to slander him for one bad half of football, but it's okay when other quarterbacks stink. I don't understand how that works. So if Bridgewater plays bad for an entire game against the Bears, we kind of sweep it under the rugs. But if Drew Brees plays bad for one quarter against the Chargers, it's holy shit, this guy should retire. I don't understand it. I never will. Um, I'm happy for Teddy, and I'm really glad that he's coming back and he's playing the Saints. I think he makes it fun. There's a lot of respect. I know Sean Payton loves him. I know Drew Brees loves him. I know Saints fans like myself love Teddy Bridgewater. But I'll be damned if I'm going to root for Teddy Bridgewater to play well this weekend. I don't want the guy to play well. I want him to play bad. I want the Saints to win the game. That's what you want. But then I go on Twitter and I see some people, yeah, I I hope he plays well. I hope he throws for 300 yards and four touchdowns. What kind of a fan are you? Could you imagine if I come on here and say, hey, guys, I feel bad for Matt Ryan. I want him to throw five touchdowns against the Saints. You guys would report me on Twitter until my account's gone. Are you kidding me? Could you imagine if an Eagles fan tonight said, I hope Daniel Jones plays well on Thursday Night Football and outperforms um, Carson Wentz? That person would be bludgeoned in the streets in Philadelphia. They don't play games. So no, I am not rooting for Teddy Bridgewater to play well, at least this game. Am I rooting for him to play well against the Buccaneers and other teams? Absolutely, because I love Teddy Bridgewater. But I'll be damned if I say, oh, I hope he plays lights out against the Saints. You gotta be kidding me. I don't know who the hell is thinking that. And if you are thinking that, I guess kudos to you for being a person that thinks outside of the box, but I don't think we should let you back in the box once you're done with those takes, in my opinion. So I really don't get that. Um, obviously, Saints fans can think whatever they want. Everyone's, you know, entitled to their own opinion, but some opinions are just confusing. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Now let me switch gears here on the Straight Up Saints podcast. I want to talk about keys to victory. There's always a couple. What decides the game? Do you win? Do you lose? What decides it? And the first one for me is important. It's slowing down DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. And without saying, yeah, Chris, no shit, Sherlock. Just understand what I'm saying here. I am sick of us saying, oh, when it's a good receiver, Marshall or shows up. When it's a bad receiver, he doesn't want to play. We got to stop with that excuse anymore. It's not working. It's not the case. If he plays a good receiver, he's not playing well. If his name's not Mike Evans, he's playing a bad receiver. Guess what, guys? He's not playing well. So we have to somehow and some way figure out what is the deal with Lattimore? Is he never going to reach his rookie year potential? Or is he just in a little bit of a slump and he'll come out of it this Sunday against the Panthers, which we obviously would hope is the case. But here's the deal. If he plays bad, we are throwing out that bullshit. Well, he only plays well when he plays good receivers, excuse. DJ Moore, hell of a receiver. Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson. Hell of a receiver. I mean, both these guys are going to go for over a 1,000 yards this year. If that doesn't get your respect, that doesn't command your attention as a cornerback, as a number one corner, what does? And more importantly, I actually talked about this with my friend Darian from the Point Blank Period podcast, which you guys haven't. If you haven't checked out, you should. We were saying, what other team has their number one corner targeted with the game on the line? The Chargers with the game on the line and regulation said we are throwing at Marshawn Lattimore because we have Mike Williams. The fucking disrespect. Are you kidding me? Are you, if you're a number one corner, I'd say, excuse me, are you freaking out of your mind? You're going to throw at me with the game on the line. Old Lattimore probably comes up with the game winning play or the game saving play, as you might call it. And look, he did with the tackle. I get that. But man, if he gets abused this weekend against Carolina, we're going to have a conversation. If he plays well, I'm going to tip my cap like I always do to Marshawn because I think he's, I think, I still think deep down the talent is there. Didn't magically fly out a window. It's there but he better play well against the Panthers. And he's going to need to if they want to win. They have two dynamic receivers who can beat you over the top, can beat you on a slant, can beat you on a cross. And they will beat you down the seam if they have to. And those two are very, very interesting receivers. I like that pairing of Moore and Anderson, but you need to stop them if you are going to win against the Panthers. How about number two? Pretty simple for me. Can you stick to the run? Can you stick to the run against a defense that is ranked 18th in stopping the run? They're not that good at it. They're giving over 120 yards per game on the ground. Can you attack them with Murray, with Kamara? with probably one of the best running back duos you'll see in the NFL right now. Can you have that success? And the Saints, after that Packers game, I think something must have happened where they said, all right, we got to stop abandoning the run here. Stick to it. They stuck to it against Detroit. That's what led their comeback. They stuck to it against the Chargers. And you know why they stuck to it even when it wasn't working? It's all about making the down manageable. You leave Drew Brees to third and 13, you're, you're literally begging for something bad to happen. Can you make it third and seven? 3rd and six, third and 5 for your 41-year-old quarterback? All right, now we got something to talk about because worst case, will dump it off for the first down. Worst case. You get into 3rd and 13, that, that, that's where we get into trouble here. So you stick to the run. Good things will happen. Against a Panthers defense, that's not good at stopping it. I like that formula for the Saints. And number three, and this one's really important, and I saw it last week, and that's why I think it's very important for this game. Get pressure on Teddy Bridgewater. He got sacked four times against the Bears. He looked uncomfortable all day. He threw two picks. He had no touchdowns. Davenport looked good against the Chargers. The tape won't show, or the tape will show it. The stats won't. If you go back and look, he affected a couple of throws from Herbert. One that was in the air for about a half hour, and the, St- the Saints still didn't pick it off because I don't have the answer. I don't know why they didn't pick it off. They suck. That's why, guys. But seriously, he had a throw where a play where he hits L- Herbert. Herbert basically just lollipops one up for 40 yards, should have been picked off. And he had three pressures out of 21 snaps. So every seven snaps, he was hitting the quarterback. He was getting after the quarterback. That's important. And his snaps are going to go up. He was off the injury report this week, which means he's good to go. I think that's really important. Davenport with Hendrickson and Cam. Cam's starting to play better too, folks. I think this D-line is going to play really well. And I think if they get pressure on Teddy, that right there might be the difference between winning and losing the football game. You get pressure on Teddy. You make him uncomfortable. Not that the crowd's going to be loud, but you do have 3,000 fans in the stands compared to 750 That's a little bit of a difference. Hopefully they make some noise on Sunday and you hope that's the difference between winning and losing the game. But seriously, if you can get after Bridgewater, make him uncomfortable, get him out of that pocket. I think good things will happen for this defense, especially for one that's been reeling and is dying to have a big game. Make Teddy uncomfortable. Sean knows his tendencies. Now it's all about executing. They're going to want to get, they're going to get in a spot where they will make Teddy throw a couple of mistakes here. It's whether or not the Saints capitalize on them. Like, Malcolm Jenkins cannot drop an open pick. Marcus Williams cannot whiff on a lollipop throw. You can't do that. And I think the Saints will figure it out. So I think they're fine moving forward. Um, Defensively, I think a lot of those mental mistakes can get corrected. We'll see if they can correct them on Sunday as soon as this weekend. But I think those are the three keys for me. Slow down DJ Moore and Anderson. Stick to the run. And more importantly, get pressure on Teddy Bridgewater. He's not great under pressure, so get after him. And if you can't, it's going to be a long day with Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson. But we'll see what happens there. Now, before I wrap up, I just want to really talk briefly about why this game is so important. I know it's simple, cliche. Division games are important. You win your division games, you win the division. And that is particularly true in the NFC East because that, that is the worst division I've seen in quite some time. But for the NFC South, winning a division game, it's not against the Falcons. It's not just a win that helps you out in terms of seeding. It's a statement to the rest of the, to the rest of the NFC. This is a really good division, guys. The Panthers are competitive. The Saints, we know what they can do. And the Bucs are good. You may not want to admit it, but the Bucs have are super bowl material good, as are the Saints. Or at least as so we think. And that's why this game is so important. What are the Saints? They're the bye week's done now. This is it. Are you going to make that run that you've made in 2017, 2018, 2019? Are you going to make that long winning streak in the middle of the season that really defines your year? Or are you going to be this Jekyll and Hyde team that back and forth you go with a win and a loss and a bad game and an okay game, but you never really hit your full potential? Which one are you? Last year, the Saints for a while were winning games, but we weren't convinced. And then something clicked and they were blowing out the Colts. They were blowing out the Titans. They were blowing out the Panthers. And yeah, the the offense didn't show up against the Vikings, so everyone forgets about that. But the Saints found their identity late in the season. 2018, that team had their identity. And 2017... That team was running the football with purpose. And when you stacked the box, Drew would throw over you. And that was their identity. What is the identity of this Saints football team? We don't know because we haven't seen it yet. So that's why this game for me is important. Can you come out, you don't have to win this game by 20. You don't have to win this game by double digits. Win this game by a touchdown, but be convincing while doing it. Have control of the game. And I'll be sold on this Saints football team. Whether Michael Thomas plays or he doesn't. And I think Michael Thomas's status is not an excuse for whether or not they win this game. Even if you don't have him, you should be able to beat this Panthers team even without Michael Thomas. So that's why I think this is important. The Bucs have shown me, even in that one game against the Packers, they showed me there on their best day, their physical defense that is opportunistic offensively. Everyone thought it'd be the other way around. It's, it's actually that way for the Buccaneers. What is this Saints team? I think the Saints team offensively is better than the Bucs. Defensively, not close. The Bucs are obviously better. But what is this Saints team? I think we find out, and it's going to be good or it could be bad. It could be either one, and obviously we want it to be good, but I think we're going to find out the identity in Week 7 against the Panthers on Sunday afternoon. It's going to be interesting, guys. And I'm really, really intrigued to see what this Saints team does. They're usually good in October. They're usually good off of Sean Payton bye week. Will that trend continue? Fingers crossed it does. And obviously, Monday's episode will dictate will be dictated by what happens on Sunday. Either we're going to have a victory Monday where I say, all right, here we go. This is the team we want to see, or it's going to be all doom and gloom. Um, but seriously, I'm really intrigued to see how this Saints team plays after um, coming out of the bye and facing a Panthers team that is three and 3-3 three and looks pretty competitive in every single game that they play but I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say about this game do you think that the Saints march in march out easily with the wind do you think this is down to the wire do you think the Saints get upset at home against the Panthers which side are you leaning on let me know in the comments on Twitter of course but that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast I want to thank you guys as always for listening stay tuned for more content on the podcast in the near future and I will have an episode on Monday shortly following the Saints Panthers game Fingers crossed that it's a positive one, but thank you guys so much. Enjoy your weekend, and let's hope that the Saints pull out a divisional win on Sunday when they face the Carolina Panthers.